Anime Pulse, episode 547. Joseph, back again, bringing you a hopefully shorter episode of Anime Pulse. Yeah. Yep. Uh, as you can hear him, that is Andrew Chan. He is once again joining me for another episode. Yep. Sure. And surviving. Yeah. Yeah. Surviving. That's that's the key thing to uh, mm-hmm. live in these days. Um, but uh, before we get off, let me just get a little bit of my sip of my alcohol here. Oh, that's good stuff. So, yeah. It's not the Drambuli this week. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, uh, th- it is a Grand Gala, which is a triple distilled brandy uh, with an orange flavor. Ah, I see. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so it's a step below it- Grand Marinet, but uh, mm-hmm. it's not a cognac, it's a brandy. But it's great on ice, and it just goes down real smooth. And, oh, you can just feel that fire burning in the bottom of your esophagus. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow, that sounds appealing, yeah. Ooh. So, let us kick off things into IRL news. And I'll go by saying, well, let's highlight things. First off, work. Uh, We have our new employee started with us. She works under me, uh, under my operations supervisor. And uh, thus far, I'm still getting bearings for whether or not she'll be a good fit. Um, She's got the same facade that everyone has when they begin a new job, that very polite, very, you know, I'll do it kind of you know, like, just give me work, please, anything, kind of uh, feeling to her personality. Yeah, that's good. Eager. Eager, yep. And it will take a couple weeks for that to start to melt away to reveal what kind of person she actually is. Um, Right. I haven't seen our other new employee who hasn't begun yet. I don't know if she is going to begin at this point. Chris may have just said, oh, you know, one's enough. We don't need two. But uh, hopefully... She'll be starting at some point, Um, though I may understand where Chris is coming from if he does say that, because if we have two new employees, we'd have to focus a little bit too much on 
training them and not getting work done, uh, which is already right. enough mm-hmm. of a task with one. I see, I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see. When it comes to Fire Emblem news, there's a <laughs> new a new story came out, new part of the story mission. Uh, mm-hmm. A new... Uh, a bunch of new characters got released and stuff like that. Uh, let's see here. Yep. And the theme I, here is being Fallen Heroes. Oh yeah, Fallen Heroes. Um, mm-hmm. which they released three new ones in the summoning, and then one of them you can get only up to silver. Um, in the yeah. uh, in that event. special maps. Yeah, special map. Yeah, which is uh, uh Takumi. That's right. Mm-hmm. I, however, went and spent some uh, some seals this morning, or some uh, orbs to s- get some summons, and uh, I was able to land my hand on the fallen Cecilia. Oh, really? You got her? Mm-hmm. Yep. Is that the one you wanted the most? Oh yes, I saw her like <laughs> her uh, insane smile when she does like her full on mm-hmm. attack. Um. And, like, just, like, the dark aura that surrounds her and, like, those piercing red eyes and just, like, her whole... Everything about this version of her is much better than her normal version. <laughs> All right, yeah. Mm-hmm. I-, I guess it makes her more kind of the, the character type that's more appealing to you. Um, oh, yeah. At first I thought her eye was bleeding, too, but it's actually just her hair. Yeah. Like, in the default picture. Yeah. And I was also able to get my hands on a uh, five-star corn. Uh, corn. Male or female? Male. Ah, uh, male corn. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he's I'd be more excited if good. it was female corn, but... Uh, yeah. You know, I'll take him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's usable. Female corn's, like, pretty high up. She's She's one of the most useful... One of the more useful units. Especially as a dragon-type character. Oh, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I actually got two characters as well, but um, one of them is from the event. I got Harden, which is like the evil king-looking guy from this event. Oh, yeah? The big lance and red yep. eyes. Yeah, he, he's he's just generally an antagonist sort of guy, and he's he's fun to use. Very very useful, I guess. He's meant to be like, like that final boss type guy. And then I just got another Brave Lynn, which um, I've already kind of given up. I sacrificed her for... Um, I was gonna either make a plus three, or no, I'm, I don't know, make another plus two, um, Brave Lynn, or I could transfer her skill onto someone else, which I did. I tr- I transferred her skill onto Cordelia, the Pegasus Knight, so that she has Swift Sparrow. And... Nice. Yeah. So yeah, I've been yeah, I've been doing a lot of that lately. Uh, oh yeah. In, yeah, I've been doing a lot of like, I'll just spend just ungodly amounts of time just sitting there and looking at like. Is this a good skill to give her? Well, if I do this and I can, uh, she can't use it because she does that. I just, I can't imagine what it must be like for people to actually come up with like the people who actually like to do that and then come up with like the, um, the charts that they put up for other people because that's a Mm -hmm. lot of work. I mean, just what I'm doing now, which is very, very amateur Mm -hmm. of just being like, oh, okay, he doesn't have a B skill. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, that looks like a good B skill. He's, you know, he's close range. Mm-hmm. It's sword breaker. Not bad. All right. Let's equip it. Um, yeah. 
I pretty yeah. much just use the hard work of those dedicated people. I just go online, look at their charts, and then I'm like, okay, and now I know what's good. It's all tested, and I, you know, I don't have to put as much thought into it. So I appreciate those hard, those tryhards. Yeah. yeah, I don't not appreciate it. I just like I want to be the wild card where it's like, why does he have that skill? Why does he have a skill that lets him teleport to his his you know his ally? It doesn't make any sense. It's such a useless mm-hmm. skill. And all of a sudden, it's like, haha, I'm going in for the killing strike. But oh no. I teleported, and now you're dead. You're dead, son? Mm-hmm. You're dead? Yeah. <laughs> there are some very unorthodox sort of setups you can have. Yeah. You can... I, I get yeah. caught off guard by them, too, sometimes, actually, when someone does, like, a really weird thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see here. I have pl- barely... I haven't touched Overwatch at all, so I've got no news on that front. I got my last achievement that I needed for the previous event um, for Capture the Flag. Uh, which was scoring a three to nothing uh, victory. And Mm -hmm. uh, I've moved on since, and I got a gift card, which I don't know if I mentioned that last time on the podcast, which I bought a few different video games. I think I mentioned it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I've been playing Mass Effect. Mass Effect Andromeda, which is just as bad as I expected. It's really goddamn bad. I mean, everything about that game is just so bad. And I keep watching all these YouTube videos about why it's so bad, and it makes sense why it was bad. You know, the the Mass Effect's uh, the Montreal team that was making the game was originally going to make it a uh, it was going to make it a uh, randomized games so like when you started up all the worlds were randomized and they ah, featured different stuff procedurally generated procedurally generated exactly but then basically with 18 months left to put the game out they dropped it they're like uh ah. yeah that's not gonna work let's just build the maps <laughs> and they built them and they suck because they haven't they didn't have nearly enough time to build the worlds because they were gonna go with this procedurally generated shit which worked out so well for fucking no man's sky god damn but uh oh yeah yeah but that was a failure and um the dialogue's failure it's so cringy none of the characters i want to romance like in all the previous mass effect games have been like you know that that's she's gotten some good points to her i want to romance her but all these new characters they're all ugly they all are unattractive their personalities (laughs) suck I don't want to romance oh. any of them, but I'm going to have to. Because I know there are no Quarians coming. Otherwise, I'd save myself. I'd be like, no, this rider huh. is saving himself for when the attractive aliens show up. Oh, I see. Yeah. They give you such ugly characters when there are a bunch of these other NPCs that are way prettier. And it's like, why would you do that? Like, you're giving me this character... That looks like female Garrus. I don't want to bang yeah. Garrus. Oh. He was a good oh, bro. Dear. I don't want to yeah. bang this new female Garrus. Hmm. Maybe if you chose a female character, the bachelors were well, not, you are better might off in think this one. That, but there's a lot of moments in the game that don't make sense if unless you're playing a male writer. This game was very much oh. intended for you to pick the male writer. Okay. That's weird. Yeah, like in the previous Mass Effect games, the clear-cut choice, even though there was no difference between male or female writer, 
besides who you could romance. There were no big mm-hmm. dialogue changes behind your gender. In this one, there are. Very much so. Oh. And it's very I oriented see. being towards playing a masculine role, which, again, makes sense because the writers barely had any time to get shit done. Because in addition to the fact that they didn't have much time to get the world building done, on top of that, they ended up hiring on the writer for what for some of the original Mass Effect games uh, very late into development. And he was like, yeah, get rid of all the previous story you just wrote up. It makes no sense. We're going to do that again. I mean, the baseline reason that the arcs left Milky Way to go to Andromeda in this one mm-hmm. is because they just wanted to go and find a new world, explore it. In the previous one, it was because they wanted to get the fuck out before the Reapers showed up. So the the uh, Alliance and stuff built these arcs with all the other races to get out there. Okay. And he got mm-hmm. yeah he got rid of that, which I like. I'd like that he got rid of it because it honestly I don't think they would have had enough time to build the arcs. And if the Reapers had even caught one whiff that the arcs were being built, they would have been all over those like flies on meat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've been playing that game. It's really monotonous, really boring. There's a lot of driving around. The, the just traversing in that game is a chore. And I'm not really enjoying it that much, but I'm playing it because it's a new single player game, and it's getting me away from Mass Effect and and possibly spending money on more loot boxes. Ah, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Other than that, I don't think I have any real news. Uh, so yeah, how about you? Okay. Um, I've well, okay, not much to say on my end either. I I've been up to Scotland for Chinese New Year, so good times were had, the family, good food, good golf, a good night out with some friends last night, which I'm still feeling the effects of, kind of. Um, and anyway, and anyway, today's the last day I'm gonna be here before I go back to Manchester tomorrow for work. So. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm going to go into the community section to get things moving along. We only have one real comment to kind of read out in terms of the episode comments, and that's from the last one. And it's Paltier <laughs> clarifying um, his thoughts on it, because he had um, round two, he says. Though I forgot most of what I was going to say, I still don't understand the boobstrap fetish. Yeah, um, I think it's I think it's was in the article to do with the accentuating the shape. Would be my, would be my ventured guess, but as far as the Chinese fan subs types, there's a lot more to it than fan subs help the industry. Those dusty old government and corporation officials need to get on board. Japan has notoriously strict laws against copyright and piracy. That goes without saying, but we also have to look at the way the industry is headed. Crunchyroll is, is here and has a dominant stake in the simulcast or whatever you want to call it. Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, and I'm sure other smaller places are producing disturbing. Uh, producing slash dis- distributing sorry anime okay. slash manga slash games directly or making them itself therefore streaming slash simulcast is the way the industry is headed with near instant regional releases this will all be done by subscription slash ad driven the sentence just ends oh okay. uh, when there really wasn't a distribution method or official regional releases sure fan subs may have helped to drive official sales when released now though they are probably directly affecting sales. Oh, by the way, I'm just going to f- uh, throw this this topic to you straight away because just so you have time to think about it before I get to the forum topic. The, the forum yeah. topic this week, um, you might get a lot of, is, is harems. Um, 
So the question that you just need to think your answer for is, do you have a favorite harem cast? And your uh, and or you can be creative and make your own custom one out of characters from different series. Also, what do you think <laughs> makes a good harem? <laughs> so it's this. This should be like a. You should have a good answer for this one. Oh yeah, so, yeah. Just like, I got one. Yeah. Okay. 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 Good. Uh, continuing the comment. In addition, um, Chinese slash Japanese relations have never been good. Let's say the that clearly doesn't have anything to do with their laws in general. But I'm ninety nine percent sure it had something to do with their trial. Now about the fan pulse thing. We, ha- we made it to cover the holiday gap a long time ago. It surfaced occasionally, but would assume that it's dead as of maybe three years ago. I think New Joseph would have would have fit in. Mostly, I and occasionally others would get hammered drunk and record for one to two hours. We would pick terrible anime, preferably single season, and review it. We also had a lot of discussion regarding, I would say, the community of anime, much like your viewer questions in the forums. But mostly it was, uh, it was of the what the fuck is wrong with your attack is variety had a surprisingly little to do with AP in general. Um, there's not really much point in me reading the comments below this because it's more like just a discussion on this sort of part where it's, it's just kind of funny. There's like a little miscommunication. It's between Yota, Vegeta, and Paltier regarding the fan pulse part. Um, but the only funny thing about the miscommunication is how Yota, Vegeta, you know, picks at how um, it's kind of funny how it's called fan pulse when it wasn't really so much about being fans of anime pulse or anything like that. So he was picking at the name. And then Paltier took that as like, oh no, the pulse had to be there because of the way the site's branded when really it was the fan part that he was picking at. But apart from that, that's you can read that at your own leisure. Onto the forums. Uh, there was one more post on the compelling characters topic by Zaldera, who says he would have to agree with Paltier. The best characters have a good balance of both <clears throat> with a bias towards relatable traits. There aren't many characters I would say I admire as much. I do like Izumi Konata from Lucky Star, Relatable as I can be a bit of a crazy geek that causes some embarrassment to his peers. Also, Ikari Shinji from Neon Genesis Evangelion. Uh, Yes, I know, what the hell. As there have been times during my teenage years where I felt under pressure from all sides to fit in, and I really felt like I could. So, yeah. I I can see see that, (laughs) because Shinji is seen as not just a brooding emo kid, because there's a lot, apparently, of reason to the way he is the way he is, and... I don't know. I've never watched Neon Genesis. So it's still in my to-watch list. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, then it was on to the love, the love uh, posts from the previous week. Uh, you know about uh, romances, and we got two posts here. One by Black Magic four 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 four. Might be one too many fours. Even though they are not really a couple, I always like the relationship between Wat- Watunuki Kimi- Kimihiro and Yuko Ichihara. While she'll play jokes or mess around with him, she does it out of playfulness due to his serious demeanor or need to relax. He really does come in time to uh, does come in time to admire her. That or the fact that I am in, into older women who tease might play a role in my pick. Lol. Um, I actually don't know what these characters are from because I don't think he mentions the anime here. Do you know this couple that he's talking about? Uh, could you describe it again? Watanuki Kimihiro and Yuko Ichihara and it's about like a girl who seems to like joke or mess with the guy um, and then he comes to like her eventually or something I, I, oh I uh, what's this what is this show I believe that's is that triple X holic Ichihara oh maybe 
It might be Because Yuko Ichihara is the main female character. Oh, it's, yeah, it is, it is. Okay, right, I get and it. And then right. so uh, all, yeah. Watanuki, I believe, is the dude, I think. Oh, this is the guy with the glasses, yeah? Yeah. Oh, okay, right. Gotcha, gotcha, on the same page. So he likes their relationship they have. Um, and then Zaldera posts in that uh, Thirding Midnight's view, a lot of relationships in fiction, anime, video games, or otherwise, really are depicted well or realistically, often due to plot reasons. I am probably also biased in that I have taken the view that I generally prefer to continue flying solo for the foreseeable future. Well, you never know. Fate might just come in like a like a hurricane and suddenly you'll be swept off your feet. You never know. Hold on to that hope. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yes, now we're on to this week's top, uh, topic of discussion, which is about harem relationships. So, got two here. The question was, yeah, basically, favourite harem cast or you can make your own up. So first is Midnight Crew. Who comes in with oh man that's a hard one not only i'm not too fond of harem shows but as an introvert the thought of having a group of people all pining for you and actively pursuing you makes me shudder give me one good love interest instead of several mere ones thank you very much if i had to pick though i know at least one of them would be as astolfo from fate apocrypha can't really go wrong with the best girl boy stolf uh, he'd be sweet and peppy and protect me from any other harem members that might try to bother me from that point, as long as the rest of them doesn't consist of crazy yandere, I think I'm, I'd be good. Maybe stick Kongo Sensei from Land of the Lustrous in there for when I need a comforting and reassuring father figure. Then again, I thought of him actively pursuing me as a bit disturbing, so scratch that. I really, <laughs> I'm really quite terrible at this harm thing, aren't I, crew? Thanks for that. And then next we have um, Zaldera's post on this matter. Uh, do really like um don't really like much in the way of harem shows as well. I would not want a harem as I can only see it being a massive barrier between myself and everyday life. In real life, if you had a, such a large group of people attracted to you following you around no matter what, it can cause a serious crowd control hazard in many places, including those with limited space, so no thanks. Instead, I link you all to the Mother's Basement PSA on harems and why they are bad and to be avoided at all costs. Remember, folks, pick one true love and stick with him slash her, lest you suffer extreme and possibly fatal consequences. Then he left a link to the video that he's talking about. P.S. Remember your ABCDs. A. Awareness. B. Balance. C. Clenched fists. And D. Don't engage in incest because I wanted to subvert the summary. <laughs> okay, so yeah, you can throw in your, your, your answer here, I guess. Oh, well, there are a ton of harem animes to choose from. I mean, my number one anime of all time, Isekai no Sekishimano Gatari, is a harem anime and a damn good one. But then you got yep. stuff like High School DXD, you got Day Day Live, you got Two Love Ru, you got uh, you got Tenchi Muyo, you got uh, Boko wa Tomodachi, um, you got Saikano. The list goes on and on and on. Mm-hmm. However, yep. I like harems that actually work, where the girls share the guy and they get along. These harems nowadays are always about a bunch of girls being there, the guy messing around with each of them for an extended period of time, until eventually he chooses one to be his main squeeze. Right. Like in Love mm -hmm. Hina. And that shit drags on and on and on, and I'm kind of sick and tired of it. I prefer yeah. the ones where all the girls come together, kind of have a sit-down meeting, or is like, all right, listen, we got to share this dude because we all want his dick. And mm -hmm. there's no way about it that we're not going to be able to, you know, just have him 
to ourselves. So they all kind of go after him together. And the only anime I've ever seen that did it to, well, there are two that kind of did it really well. The first one that comes to mind is Mouse. And in Uh Mouse, it's an anime about a dude who's kind of like a thief. Um, He goes around stealing random things. And he has a harem of three girls that he sleeps with on a regular basis. And they all recognize each other and they all work together at the school he works at um, as like a undercover kind of thing. And they regularly uh, share in group sex with him. Like it's very explicit. Ah, yeah, I see. I see. Yeah. And there's a lot of harems that come close to that, like Monster Musume, where the girl's very close, but there's never any penetration. Or High School DxD, where it's kind of obvious that uh, that uh, our male protagonist in that, um, his name is escaping right now, it starts with an I, uh, that uh-huh. he's obviously going to be able to have all the women in his group. Um but there was yeah. another anime. Now, I can't remember the name of it specifically. It was a harem anime. Uh-huh. And it had to do yeah. something with, like, magical power and wishes. And uh-huh. the more wishes you had, the greater your, uh, like, your uh, status was in the world. But this one guy in particular that we follow had one... No, he had three wishes that he could make. And... He has very powerful magic, however, because when he makes the wishes, he could do things like stop time or, you know, I forget what else he does. Like he saves someone's life with one of his wishes. Um, At the end of that anime, they actually end up doing something. I don't remember what happens, but he ends up getting cloned, basically. And there are multiple versions of him. And at the end of the anime, all the girls are like, they're all satisfied because they all get him. They right, all get him. Right. In fact, mm. one of the girls is like, I'm going to take these three. Ha ha. You know, and she's the really busty, older, mature one who's probably going to drain them within a couple days. But hey, you know, more power to them. <laughs> but that, those two did it pretty damn well. And I'd be goddamn happy if people out there could recommend some more harem animes that do stuff like that. Where it's actually mm. like it works out well for the group where it's like, oh, yes, you can be with all these different girls because they all agree to be with you. Yeah, I think I actually have heard of one, what, but I can't I don't know it by name because I haven't watched it. But I have heard of another anime that had like a, a harem-esque end where everyone's like less satisfied. I, what I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll look it up later and I'll send you I'll send you what it is and then maybe you can tell me if you've seen it or not. But. I have heard of that, but other than that, like what you're talking about with like, I suppose true harem ends are not very common. Actually, it usually is like a bunch of girls, and he picks one. And does it bother you that sometimes, um, you know, they're very upfront about which one is the main girl of it, like which one is like the supposed to be picked instead of it being like a actual like, oh, I wonder which one they'll end up with, even in that scenario. Yeah. Don't really mind it as much because it's, you know, that's the way harem's going to be. It's just, it's going to be like, oh, you have your introduction to the characters and one of them obviously stands out more than the others. Um, I mean, even Mm -hmm. in the case of Love Hina, it's the first girl that he meets. 
you know, he bumps into her in the hot springs and she's not wearing her glasses. So she thinks she's that he's a girl. And then she grabs his dick. And instantly I knew, oh, this is the girl because yeah. she is the big Sundare princess that just can't, you know, uh, uh, just say like, yes, I do. Uh, I am in love with him. And she ends up being his final choice. Yeah. Because it's the most surprise. painful. It's the most painful one to get to the co- conclusion because of all the misunderstandings that are going to happen. So it just lends itself up to romantic hijinks, hijinks. You know. Yeah. So makes yeah. yeah. Mm, okay. Fair enough. Uh, any <laughs> anything else to say on the the topic there? Yes. No, that's pretty much it. A... Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, and then there's also a joke. <laughs> there's a joke post for my very first like community forum post. Uh, which was about, you know, like, hey, talk about Emotos, and, like, nobody replied to it, and I kind of liked the fact that nobody replied to that one <laughs> one that was the first one, because it was the first time I did it, and I was like, yeah, nobody but responded, but then this week, Vegeta yeah. went back, right? Yeah, well, first Zaldera did, and that made me think, oh, luckily it's a joke reply, and I thought, okay, but then the problem is that puts it to the top of the forum thing, so then everyone else mm-hmm. will see it. Like up there, and so then it, it it actually did get attention because of that. <laughs> but then Zaldera first said, "Like I'm going to dare to answer this old question." No, actually, I'm not, and neither is anyone else smart enough. Uh, <laughs> and it's just like a picture of Jesse, like you know, sticking her tongue out. So I thought, okay, it's fine. Nobody's gonna reply. That's good. It's just, it's supposed to be awkward, and no one should bother posting it because there is that's a trick question. There is no good emotos. And then <laughs> no, Yotaro Vegeta actually did. As you said, write in a full answer when he said, um, when, when I read the word emotos, my first reaction was nope. Then after a lot of thought and a lot of looking up the top 10 lists, I have come to the conclusion that Umaru from Hyoto Umaru Cha- uh, Just kidding. All the stepsisters from Emoto Jiru... Okay, real answer. I actually don't know what Emoto Jiru is or what, what that show was going to be. Um, uh, but then... Even though her older brother does not have a big role in the show, I elect Kagura from Gintama as best emoto. She's a superhuman, badass, ill-mannered, and funny. That's why I wanted a little sister. And that's the only post. But that's yep. I could, I could, I could get behind that. It's a comedy show, so you know, it's not as if her being the little sister is the focus. So yeah, yeah, definitely go for those sorts of scenarios. Uh, that's the int- that's entirely the intent of the question, and that does it for forum topics. But I also got a private message as well this week from Queen Inoue, which actually I might just turn into a forum topic for the next week. But it's basically about dropping anime, and you know, like what anime you just like you stop halfway through or something. And he says, y- she says you can read this on there if you want. Don't mind it. Um, I just wanted to say that as far as dropping anime, literally, I have only dropped five series in the last well more than half of my life, which I have been watching anime one of them was over 10 years ago just because it was a drama than uh, just because it was more drama than it was worth and i found myself going i hate this anime when i got to that point it was dropped uh so just an idea of what it takes to get me to drop an anime which i think will be a good topic for the next week like i just said uh doesn't say exactly which show it was that got too dramatic but just worth putting in there at the end and that does it for the community stuff anyway for this week so emoto jiru uh, uh, yes. From the wiki, <clears throat> Imoto Jiru, or Younger Sister Justice, is an adult visual novel game that was released on December oh. 13, 2002. I see. <laughs> so, wow, okay. It received Very obscure. a two-episode original video adaptation in 2003. 
<laughs> okay, right. I never. I would have never known. That's a. Uh, it's better of an obscure pick for that then. Okay, cool. <laughs> the more you know. I've right. actually thought of a uh, a uh-huh. idea for a. Uh, I know it's been talked about before, but a uh-huh. potential question to ask our listeners is uh, the yeah. anime that made you cry. Um, maybe oh, okay. not necessarily the you know like a top ten or anything like that. Just anime that. Or like even like a moment in an anime that really made you cry. I was thinking about it recently. Yeah. And okay, I was well, thinking mm-hmm. about like the death of Lelouch, which goddamn that made me cry. Um, the death of oh, Kamina, which also uh-huh. made me cry. Um, and like uh, at the end of Chrono Cross, Chrono Cross. Um, where the nuns find the, the basically the end of Chrono Cross. The nuns find the two the two main protagonists um, there. That also made me cry, and I wanted to know what the top you know top moments in anime that made people cry: sad tears and happy tears. Well, you know what? I think I'll just make that the topic for this week. Then actually, that's not a bad question. I think that's pretty good. If you come up with any more, just uh, yeah, mention it. But that's yeah, that's. Good enough question. I definitely have some stories to tell on um, some anime that have managed to at least get me teared up as well a little bit. So yeah, uh, sounds and good. I'll save my full explanations mm-hmm. for the for the later part. But yeah, those are just a couple moments in anime that oh. definitely gotten to me. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. Well, I guess we'll we'll get into that next week then once uh, we get some response response responses. <laughs> yeah, responses. Can't speak. Yep. Okay. So moving on, I guess. I'm I'm looking at this uh, top ten emoto. Oh, <laughs> oh what? <laughs> There's yeah. probably like a gajillion of those lists as well. You we got Mana from Guilty yeah. Gear, Saya from Skeet Dance, Komachi from Oregaru, Last Order from Tu uh, oh, Tuarumajutsu that's index. no Index, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yokumo from School Rumble, Rin from Little Busters, uh, Kotori from <laughs> Day Day Live, oh. Mikan from oh, Turavru. Uh, Karen and Suhiki or Sukihi from the uh, Monogatari series. Yep. Uh huh. And all the way at number one. Oh, yeah. Don't even. St- is it? It's at least a, it's not Sugiri. Is it's it Sugiri? Okay. Thank no fucking God. All right. Right. Okay. Right. Well, it's... hey, that means Sugiri didn't even make the list. There is hope for this world. Oh, let's hear. Oh, of course, this list was also made in 2014, so, <laughs> uh, so it. it's, yeah, she wasn't invented uh, yet. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's already. It's it's for some reason it's more indated. It's it's old, but it's actually more relevant because she's not in there. So it's I can I can go with more credibility on this one. That's good. Good list. Love it. Best list. Top ten. <laughs> it would be in my top ten. Top ten anime little sisters lists if I made a top ten of those. Yep. Yeah, I gotta say, you'd probably go with uh, Hikigaya uh, Komachi. If you were really? to pick, like, an Emoto that you really do like. Because he... she actually has a normal relationship with her brother. There's no going beyond the fact that they're just good siblings. And that's all it is. There's no undertones of, like, oh, maybe she likes him a little bit more than a brother or anything like that. It's just... A normal family relationship. With all the way the drama you said that slowly like, makes me suspicious. No, 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 no. It's this is this a trap. It's the alcohol that's making me go oh, slow. Oh, okay, okay. Because man, right, oh right. man, 
my legs are floating right now. <laughs> oh, that's the that's the good feeling if it gets to your toes. That's nice. Oh yeah, this is Let this is a good through. buzz I'm on right now. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> let it flow through you. Yes, let the let the alcohol flow through you. Well, I believe that brings us to our industry news. Indeed. And I have a piece of news here, so you may not be familiar with it, but uh, Harvey Weinstein, he is a uh-huh. uh, a director um, over mm-hmm. here who uh, is known for, or recently is known for his sexual allegations against him by uh, many, many, many actresses who have come forward to say how he kind of, you know, goaded them into performing sexual acts. Not necessarily having sex with them, just being like, you know, dance naked in front of me and then you can have this, you know, play in this movie. And they did it because back then Hollywood was exactly that. It was, you did a sexual favor for someone, you blew some producer somewhere, you got your face in the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, recently that's all it was. It was just all these women coming out the same time and just being like, I got touched as a child or, or I, you know, I, I came, I, I had to do this thing to get my face in a movie or something like that. And, uh-huh. well, here's a bit of a uh, interesting news. So you may not know this, but Harvey Weinstein actually worked on, uh, uh, way back in the day, princess Mononoke, the U S released at least, um, mm-hmm. He was actually in charge of handling the U.S. release. And uh, back then, Miyazaki uh, actually said in a recent interview that uh, Harvey Weinstein said that uh, he received, he sent them basically an aggressive attack uh, demanding cuts to the movie, saying that it had to be shortened down, stuff like that. Okay, right. And Miyazaki confirmed the reporter's story, saying that uh, his producer, who was uh, Toshiho Suzuki, actually sent Harvey Weinstein a samurai sword in response to that, with a letter that just read, no cuts. Ah, wow. Quite quite an expensive way to make a point, but I, I like it. Yeah. yeah. I was uh, really worried you were gonna say that Hayao <laughs> Miyazaki has now come out with allegations of like <laughs> being like having to do sexual favors for Harvey Weinstein. I was really bracing myself for that, but no, no, no. I no. got it. Okay. Uh, All uh, right. Mi- okay. Yeah. After Miyazaki said that, uh, he just smiled at the reporter <laughs> and said, "I defeated him." <laughs> <laughs> He then, he later was, later on Harvey Weinstein committed seppuku with the samurai sword that we sent him. <laughs> yeah, if only, yeah. So that, uh, that's definitely, yeah. you know, that, like, that would be like, uh, sending your, uh, sending your partner in crime, or like, if we got into an argument, me sending you a, uh, an emoto in the mail. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know what it means. I, I know it would be a declaration of all-out war, you know, <laughs> cut ties. Depending on the emoto, you know, we will, uh, 
there'll, there'll be a slightly different change to the message. But yeah, I'll, I'll get the overall point. Yep. This this emoto would be uh, wearing a hoodie and a mask when she shows up. Oh, at your, oh, really? Your front door. Right. Yeah. yeah. And oh, she she just wonderful. She just immediately crawl into your attic, lock the door, and start stomping on the ceiling whenever she wants food. Yeah, I was gonna say good luck getting her to getting her to leave to be outside to begin with. She never does. Um, and if you don't bring her food, you'll wake up one night and you're fucking tied to her bed while she is uh, force feeding you uh, all sorts of different um, uh, emoto x protagonist uh, manga. Oh, the headaches! My God, for all the I, I'm really close to the attic too, and she's just like, oh, God damn it. I will not yep. make her. I will make her the most spiteful dishes possible, like very spicy curry or something like that. Yeah, until until the point that, and I will not listen to complaints until she is forced to leave that attic and fend for herself. In fact, maybe I'll just, maybe I'll just kill myself so that she has to look after herself. Or maybe no you'll retainer. actually change her pers- personality. Like she'll come down from the attic, but then like all of a sudden she's just attached to your side at all times, and then you're like, "What and- have I done?" I preferred her in the attic. Now she's with me all the time. Well, I guess in this scenario, she's not my emoto, so the scenario's a little bit different, I guess. I guess but that's that true, still, yeah, because yeah. then yeah. Like, she's, she's by not, your side yeah. all the time. It's like, all right, she's not my yeah, little sister, so yeah. going to my bedroom now. See you guys later. Yeah, so it's like if if you can if it fixes her if you can fix her scumbag personality, then we can maybe talk. But then again, <laughs> isn't she like something like thirteen? So it also is a bit of a I don't know. I've already got enough charges with the the shogi animated. Yeah. So maybe she's anime. It's all legal in anime. Mm-hmm. When it gets localized all the way in the U.S. anyway, it'll be like, yep, all these characters are of age. Ignore the yep. middle school uniforms. She'll be uh, she'll be like sixteen or something, sixteen and a half, almost seventeen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you, so you can damn. do it guilt free. There we go. All right, that uh, right. <laughs> that does it for my piece of news. <laughs> How about yours? Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. So sometimes anime does uh, inspire like locations where you know, like for instance, the stairway from your name, um, you know, based on real locations, and it brings a lot of kind of. Uh, spotlight to it for anime fans to go visit in real life and in one of the one such case was the the inn and i suppose the town of uh was the inn was the shirikaku inn in the site of oh god oh god's sake this this word yuaku kua fuck it um yeah it's in the article (laughs) this location which was inspiration for the location and hotel that was in the anime hanasaku iroha as by pa works and unfortunately even though it's 13 years 1300 years old and you know of a historic landmark along with being a inn is actually going to be closing its doors they released a official post on their website saying dear guests having stood with Yuaku for a long time and another word I can't bother people are trying to mispronounce which was truly appreciated by many people will end business on March the 17th on Saturday we are pleased from the bottom of our hearts and proud that everyone could spend their important days at the hotel. We would like to express our gratitude to each of our guests individually. Furthermore, we will be making an announcement regarding the future of our uh, our future plans. Thank you very much for your patronage and long-standing shuhokaku. We look forward to your continued support of Yuaku Onsen in the future as well. So I guess the I guess the hot springs nearby or whatever are remaining open. 
So yeah, um, the location was again made famous by the anime Hansaku Iroha, which I um, which I usually just refer to jokingly as child abuse. The anime, but you know I haven't finished it yet. But <laughs> it's not actually that off off base description. Um, and yeah, there's not really much news as to what's gonna what's gonna become of the building. It's probably not gonna get torn down because of its age and historic value. But the site here theorizes about it being turned into a museum in the future. So. Yeah, just a little bit more of a culture news to do with anime, loosely. And that's All it. Alright. Alright. Well, I believe that brings us to our hybrid show. Jun Ha! Yes, they're doing it! Stay with it! Yeah, uh, I believe our yes. first hybrid show of uh, 2018, and uh, you'll be kicking things off first. Go right yes, ahead. With, yeah, with that, uh, we'll be doing just a heads up. I'm going to be doing two shows because I've got three, and he's got a review. So that's Yeet. how the structure is going to be. But what? Sorry? So it'll be you, you, me, and then yep. you. Indeed. Yeah. Exactly. Um. So, um, it's whatever day you're listening to, and you know what that means? It's Listener Appreciation Day, that's the theme. The day in which I'm going to cover anime mentioned by our listeners on the forum, aptly titled Winter 2018 Anime, so people who posted in that topic specifically. So let's jump right in. Our first serving is Card Capture Sakura Clear Card, mentioned by listener Queen Inoue, and as a sequel to the Magical Girl series that I think everyone's at least heard of from 1998 to 2000. You know, it's about an elementary school student called Sakura who has to go capture these magic cards, and she has a cute animal mascot, as is the case with most anime in this genre. Uh, she has two closest friends that I'm going to be mentioning in this episode anyway, at least. One of them called Xiaoran, who I think is Chinese, I guess, and I'm going to refer to as Lee, and Tomoyo, her best friend, uh, who I'll call Madison for this point on. Anyways, that's all resolves in about 70 episodes. There are like multiple arcs in this in the original series. Uh, it ends quite neatly in episode 70 with Lee confessing his love to Sakura before heading off to Hong Kong, which takes us neatly into the first episode of this show. So this introductory skit starts with Kiro uh, pretty much summarizing the last series in the way that I just did there before the opening actually cues. And then after which we get this really awkward take on a cliche line which goes something like this. When all the cards are gathered, it is not the end. It is the beginning of the end. <laughs> I'll let that speak for itself. Anyways, some time clearly has passed as the characters have now smartphones given that the previous story took place in the 2000s. That would make Sakura a middle schooler now. Before I let you dwell on that, we see um, we get to see her starting her first day in her new uniform, which looks like her old uniform, just minus the hat. And we get some introductions to side characters like her dad and older brother before she heads out on the road that her family must have bought because I can barely ever remember seeing anyone else taking this, this beautiful street for a walk. Um, also because it's the first day of school and also because it's episode one, the Sakura Blossoms are in full bloom, which I could correlate with the protagonist given her name, but I don't want to get arrested. Um... Again, laying low after Loli Shoggy. Anyways, we see the average school day for her, whereby Sakura excels in sports, but not so much anywhere else, and they introduce more side characters, which I'm going to skip for brevity. More importantly, on her way home, she is reunited with her boyfriend, Lee, standing amidst the Sakura, and looking a little silly, cradling a little pink bear in his arms. Wait, Card Captor Sakura has a boyfriend? Uh Uh-huh. 
Well, she kind of accepted his proposal. Like, he asked her out. Like, he he confessed his love for her at the end of the main series, right? And she oh. was all, like, not sure what to do. She wasn't sure what to do about her feelings and all that sort of stuff. And it ends with the two exchanging bears and pretty much becoming a couple. And then, like, she jumps into his arms, like I'm going to say in this episode. And, yeah, the two are basically a, a couple at this point. They're not. They've not went on a date yet, but you know they're 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 in that range now. They're they're blushing and doing those moments. So, yeah. Wow, she originally had a crush on the older guy. Uh, he, I forget his name. The the guy is called Julian in the English dub. But I know that's definitely not his. I think he's called Yukito. Uh, she had a she had a crush on the older guy, but now she has a crush on Lee. Uh, as as most most girls do, I would typically find. Ah, uh, yeah. Ah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then it turns out Yukito's actually gay with her older brother. So <laughs> that kind of that kind of makes it a bit awkward for, you know, starting a relationship with him. So Awkward. She didn't actually have to get turned. Yeah, she, she didn't actually have to get turned down. Her brother jumped in on the guy. She like, yeah, anyway, <laughs> moving on. Uh, Sakura jumps into his arms, but the mood is broken because Madison has noticed filming them from the side. Meaning that while she was walking home... So, uh, <laughs> That means that Madison was actually stalking her and following her without saying anything, but, you know, just saying. More introductions of characters that are not worth mentioning in this preview, and we see that Lee and Sakura have exchanged the bears that they both made, named after each other, and lent to each other before parting ways originally in the last season. So currently Sakura has a bear named after herself, and Lee has one named after himself, so keep that in mind because it's going to be important later. The actual plot point, the plot decides to actually happen halfway into the episode in which Sakura dreams she's in a black void surrounded by clear cards before noticing a hooded figure across from her. The cards shatter and Sakura wakes up to find the Sakura cards have all become slabs of glass. She takes the cards to Yui, who's basically like Kiro, her guardian spirit, and he confirms that the powers have left them. She says, uh, she says she'll tell the others and Lee before Yui awkwardly strokes her cheek and tells her to tell Lee even the smallest things. I honestly don't know how to interpret scenes like this, but she's okay with it, so I guess whatever. Sakura informs her friend in school, uh, in the school's extravagant, beautiful hedge garden that no one else goes to for some reason, and Madison is excited about being renewed for another season. Later that night, Sakura goes to bed again and says goodnight to Kiro and Shaoran with the camera showing the pink bear, but they done fucked up, because I pointed out earlier the bear she currently has is called Sakura and not Shaoran. Told you that was important. She has another mysterious dream that features a dragon and the shard of cards forming a new ceiling key for her before she wakes up to see that the key from her dream has followed her into the awake world. And in the climax of the episode has her solitary walk to school being interrupted by an attack of cutting gusts of wind. She manages to form a staff out of her new dream key and without much effort really seals the attacking wind into a new card called Gale. So episode one of Sakura captures uh, quite well the kind of feel and spirit of the original anime series. I haven't read the manga so I couldn't speak for that. At least the original dub of the anime. The western version of the anime I was initially exposed to is definitely marketed as more of a general kind of audience instead of being a purely more shoujo based experience uh, because of the different choice of music and etc. The Japanese version has always been very cutesy and this is no different with its more soft colour palette and different art style that almost negates the fact that Sakura is supposed to have aged a little more. Returning fans may appreciate that it's actually sticking to the old ways and following an episodic plot and narrative structure to the original, with the voice work also being done by the old cast as well. So that's people who've come back after 17 years. That's, That's quite a big gap. It was certainly a bit nostalgic for me seeing familiar settings like the Penguin slide, but 
it just it's touched up enough because it's done by you know studio madhouse who it goes without saying have made the presentation top notch as well I do find it really funny how this is the start of the new series, but not really at the same time because they already released an OVA last year called Card Capture Sakura Clear Card Prologue, which is supposed to bridge the gap between the old series and this series. Um, but they already have in this episode negated quite a few and they've retconned some of the details in it, like such as the scene where they exchange the bears. But yeah, that said, I'll keep up with the show. I really would be interested to know how the show reads for people who are just turning in at this point and haven't seen the original series. But given that this is quite a prolific uh, franchise and people probably will be jumping into this at least knowing that it's what it's somewhat about. And yeah, that, that ends Card Capture Sakura. And I'm just going to go straight into the next one because I think it's, yeah, you're going to go after the second preview. Um, mm-hmm. The second anime I'm going to preview is Kokuku, a.k.a. Kokukoku, a.k.a. Moment by Moment, which was... Yotaro Vegeta's pick for the favourite show of the season. It's a seinen paranormal mystery type show with potentially interesting premise. The story centres around Juri Yuko... Fuck. (laughs) Juri Yukawa and her family. A family that has fallen on pretty hard times. Gramps is retired, dad has been laid off, mum is the only one providing, her brother Tsubasa is a good-for-nothing neat, her sister Sanae is a single mother, and what's worse, Juri starts the episode having flunked 19 job interviews. The first half of the episode is dedicated to detailing just how shit the family life is. Um, with Juri's nephew Makoto seemingly having being the only ray of hope left in the family. Yes, in fact, it almost seems like a step up um, when while picking Makoto from kindergarten, Tsubasa and the child are abducted by some thugs who really a ransom of 7 million do- dollars, no, yen, <laughs> yen to be delivered in 30 minutes. With her backs against the wall, Grandpa shares with Dad and Juri a uh, family secret, a magic stone that, after dripping blood on, allows the people touching it to enter a realm where time has stopped, which they call stasis. The three go into the location of the kidnappers in order to rescue Subasa and Makoto, but they are attacked by a group of thugs that are also able to move in stasis. Grandpa opts to retreat for now, using his ability to teleport uh, Juri and himself short distances, but they are cornered by one of the goons. It looks like this is the end of the line until an Ent from Lord of the Rings appears behind the attacker, ending the episode on a cliffhanger. It's also worth noting that the Ent referred to as a herald appeared briefly in the episode behind Makoto when she was angry at the kidnappers after seeing what they had done to their relatives. So what's my impressions of this show? It's okay. If I give, if I was to give numbers uh, from this setting, I'd give it a five out of ten. I'll take it in turns, listing a positive, then balancing it out with a negative to justify that assessment. So, like, first off, the premise is pretty solid, and there's enough mysteries that I'd want to know the answers to. But the negative is, despite there being a very uh, being a very plot-driven story, it's actually a little bit dull. There's intrigue as to what exactly those heralds are, though I've watched enough. Uh, I've watched a, a bit further and know how it's kind of explained a bit. Or Juri's past experience because it's foreshadowed that she's been in this world once when she was a kid. Um, but Koku is Kokoku is kind of relying on my patience on the idea that it's going to get interesting rather than give me anything else to latch onto from the start. I mean, I'm not expecting um, a mystery anime to give me answers straight away, but something like Steinsgate made me get uh, made me get invested right from the start with characters from the get go. Uh, Positive. There are some good direction at times, and they used that they used to reinforce what we know, especially in regards to depicting the dysfunctional family. 
But the negative to that is while the visuals do have some storytelling, uh, way too much of this is actually going to be com uh, explained to you in clumsy dialogue. An example, you know, uh, an example is like, um, you know when I mentioned earlier on the state of the family, when I listed like, oh, this person's unemployed, this person's like this. Um, well, this show has Jury pretty much do the exact same thing. She's regurgitating information to people that in context should already know this information. This is an issue I still partially have all the way to where I currently am at episode 4. And you can and you can also um, make an anime that has dialogue, you know, non-stop dialogue, still interesting to watch with like a really good script or attractive visuals. But for the most part, I can't find that here. It comes across kind of lazy or incompetent in terms of storytelling, or at the worst, treating the audience like they're stupid despite this being aimed at a slightly older audience. A positive would be that the OP and ED is really nice looking, uh, and has the most character of the show, but the problem with that is that everything else in the show kind of looks washed out and lifeless as the world does in stasis. The art style of the characters are too realistic to be appealing in the manner of something like Cowboy Bebop, while not detailed enough to the extent of actually being realistically gritty either. Heck, it's not even stylized enough to go something like an Afro Samurai look, so what I'm left with is a show where no matter whether they're in the normal world or the frozen world, it's just kind of unappealing to look at on the eyes. Maybe that was an intent, I don't know. Last positive I'd mention is that the anime features some of the best CGI I have ever seen in 2D animation integrated with it. Uh, well, I mean, that's integrated with 2D animation, in an anime at least. Uh, the models themselves are quite rendered, I don't know, are rendered quite well for the rest of the elements on screen, and even when you notice that the RCG is not all that bad or out of place. But the negative would be the emphasis on CG and not CG animation. There's not a lot of movement to these CG elements, so, you know, they look good because they're frozen and shit. While there are examples to the contrary, most of the CG elements are stationary while the camera just rotates around them, which if you use 3D rendering software, you know that's kind of an easy thing to do, is like move a camera around and just like render it out. I don't think this adds much besides um, the effects being used when they're in stasis, so it gives you a feel that they're in another world either. So I, can't, I think overall the CG is just kind of visual filler, or at best a kind of, uh, no, or at worst a bit ostentatious really. But that's all for now. Uh, as it's kind of apparent from the preview, I'm going to keep on going with this show anyway, unless it suddenly plummets, in which case I'll probably still actually finish it in all honesty. But yeah, that's my first two previews, and you can go comfortably into your review. Woo! Alrighty Oof. then. Well, I'm going to be reviewing my personal favorite anime from 2017. Mm -hmm. uh, that is uh, the uh, Sude Zude Children, or... Uh, Sude Dure Children. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how to pronounce that one either. Basically a very good rom-com. So, rom-coms, mm -hmm. they're pretty cooker-cucker, cookie-cutter these days, aren't <laughs> it's they? It's infected you now. <laughs> you get, yeah, it is. I, I can definitely feel it. You get an, an oblivious male protagonist who unwittingly attracts the attention of one or many female companions. He stumbles his way through strengthening his bonds with each girl until he ultimately fails to pick up any of the women. This leads to the possibility of more seasons of waifu material dressing in scantily clad outfits, giving us very little actual, uh, very actual relationship progression and leaving us feeling unfulfilled. In fact, I've all but given up hope for the rom-com genre in anime, feeling that my relationship with this genre is that akin to a battered housewife and her abusive husband 
I keep promising myself that I will stay away for good after every empty promise. But I somehow find myself going back thinking Romcom got his act together and is finally ready to treat me right. Well, <laughs> at long last, my friends, I have reached the light at the end of the tunnel. I found the pot of gold and its name is Suredizere Children. This hmm. is an anime that should be the beacon for all other future rom-coms to look to and see what good romantic comedy can be with multiple examples of every type of relationship that is possible to use. Yes, this anime was a smattering of hors d'oeuvres served on a silver platter, each one packed with flavors that set them apart from one another. By the end of the anime, you left feeling satisfied, not empty, even though you only got bite-sized servings. The setting for the anime is based in a Japanese high school, and yes, I know, the location itself is as user overused as settings come. Just bear with me. The setting is perfect for this anime as we don't follow one, or two, or three, but up to eight ongoing relationships all between different students. Each pair feels unique, and no two are alike. For example, you have uh, Haruhuki and Saki, a relationship where the two clearly like one another, but the girl in this case can't gather up the courage to confess to the guy. Another example is June and Yuki, a pair where the girl is constantly professing her love for the guy, but because of her whimsical nature, the guy doesn't believe her. And still, there is Teruku, or uh, Pekeru, and Ayaka, who begin dating almost as soon as we are introduced to them, but the girl here is always worried about how she is going to mess things up by pushing things too far. Now, you might be thinking that because of the number of relationships going on, they might feel skin deep, but you'd be wrong. The anime handles the themes it uses for each relationship very maturely, injecting problems you might find in real-life relationships into the pairs. No pair is perfect. Each one has its troubles. But in the end, the anime does a great job showing how the couples move past these differences and grow as characters. Hell, there wasn't a single relationship in this anime I didn't enjoy on some level or another. And to date, that is a feat only accomplished by a couple other anime in my top picks, though neither one was a rom-com by any right. <laughs> if you've ever been jaded by romantic comedies in the past, but still want to give the genre a chance, then I implore you to give Sezude Children a look. Whether you're looking for good comedy or good romance, you'll find both here. You'll not be disappointed. I guarantee it. And if you happen to be a mangaka or creator of anime and you're looking to venture out into the rom-com waters, bring a copy of Sudeto Children with you as a sort of compass. It will save you during those foggy days where you want to rely upon filler or fan service and ultimately lead you to your destination. It's a big book of do's. Yes. The animation, for all that positive talk about the story, you might be worried the animation would be out of sync, but fear not, as Studio Gokumi does a great job of handling this, 
it's neither too complex or gaudy, but not too simplistic that emotion and feeling don't carry. It's a more basic style for sure, but the use of color and excellent expressions did a great job of showing you what the mood was. That is, uh, of course, this is a studio that has done this before, as they're the ones who have also worked on anime like uh, uh, Ken Iro Mosaic, um, Kono Naka ni Hitore, and Imoto ga Iru, and Saki. The voice acting here is actually a mind blower. They got a respectable cast to voice the characters. If you were to watch the anime and close your eyes and listen, you could pretty easily identify the characters just by voice. Because just like the relationships, the characters are all unique and separate from one another. From a deeper voiced male character like Tekuru to an energetically voiced girl like Kazuku. Hmm. As for favorite characters, obviously I can't pick a single character this time. It's an anime about couples. But I know immediately what pairing I liked the most, and that was the one between Masafumi and Ryoko. These two were packed with some of the best reactions, playing characters very different from what their roles in the school might place them as. Masafumi is a student council president for the third years, and Ryoko is a delinquent who, caught, who he caught smoking. I immediately liked these two because Masafumi surprises us as the aggressor in the relationship, challenging Ryoko's rough exterior as he gets her to agree and make out with him in the very first episode. He is constantly acting like a horn dog around her after they begin dating, but respects Ryoko as a woman that he wants to be his lover. God, I love that pairing so much. I, just for example, one part, he's in the library with her and he's teaching her English and she's like, oh, I'm getting really good at this. It's because of you. And he's like, yes, let me feel your breasts. Let me grow up your tits. Wow. And she's just like, the fuck you say? <laughs> and he's just like, please let me do it, please. And he, he's like, you know, you're the kind of girl, if I keep asking enough, you'll do it. And eventually, after everything during that whole arc, she does cave. But then he's like, but I'm not going to do it. And she's like, wait, what? Uh, I, like, I just wanted you to know how much I want to do it. How much I want to just do it right now. And I'm holding back because I respect you. And, wow. you know, it, of course, it's just like, holy shit. They're going to have some wild sex later. Woo! <laughs> Indeed. See. So, yeah, uh, if it wasn't obvious enough, Sureda uh, Zure, or... Sude Zurde Children, however you want to pronounce it, gets a download now. Woo! First one of the year, I think. I think so, yeah, because we've been doing a lot of first rating. previews. Yeah, previews yeah. and like, yeah. God first, damn, first that's a good anime. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a extra spicy, extra, extra special one. I'm very interested to give it a go actually after all you after all you're saying about it. I I think you've there, think you've won me over. I think I'll give it a it's go. Like, if you don't even like the relationship that I like the most, there's another yeah. relationship out there and another and another and another. You'll find one you do like. Hmm. Okay. Right. There's one for everyone. Or maybe more than one. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Okay, yeah. 
I'd be interested. So very nice review. Interested to give it a go. Thank um, you. And I, yeah, I, I I liked actually all the food allegories in there. I, I'm a sucker for food metaphors <laughs> and similes actually. So yeah, include those. Uh, but actually, the next one, <laughs> the last show I'm covering is also named after, I suppose, foods-ish because of the the fruit that come off of it. But the last anime I'm gonna be previewing. This season was also mentioned by Yotaro Vegeta in a forum post in which he says, Do watch Citrus. I think this show is for everyone. Who doesn't like hetero relationships involving 100% consensual sexual encounters? I didn't hear about the series until recently, but I knew the manga, but I, but I knew what the manga was about. When I discovered it, I'm glad I did. End misquote. So it starts with our main girl, Yuzu Aihara, who is dressed in a Gyarowish fashion, minus the tan chatting with her other popular girlfriends about boys and about the fact that she's moving school in autumn. Which means uh, this is one of the few anime that is going to have an episode 1 at school with no cherry blossoms. But anyway, Yuzu confidently remarks about how it will be easy to nab a boy in the new school before queuing in the OP sang by NanoRipe, who I wish would be more selective about the shows they compose for. The creators have no shame in plopping some Yuri kisses right there. Actually, it's, it's in multiple parts of the opening. I don't have a good way to transition to the next part. So anywho, we start with Yuzu first looking at herself in her new uniform, but being dissatisfied about her appearance, opting to pull her skirt up and doll herself in a garish fashion again, minus the tan. It's exposited on her way to school that she's moved here due to her mother finding a new husband, and that to Yuzu's dismay, she's transferred to an all-girls school. Despite what her friends are, uh, her friends and people around her may think, Yuzu has also never had a boyfriend. All that talk of hers from the start is just baseless grandstanding. No, it turns out that she's a bit of a romantic, the sort that values the first kiss, as we see her fantasize about a tall, handsome guy. This immediately is triggers flags about how this episode is actually going to end, but Yuzu turns into, turns into, um, sorry, get. Yuzu's first day turns to trouble straight away as she butts heads with the very strict nature of the school. Basically everything about her is a violation from her phone to her makeup to the way she wears her uniform. She tries negotiating that she couldn't be expected to know all this on day one, which had me questioning her upbringing before the student council president girl comes in and sexually harasses her under the pretense that she was confiscating her phone. We inter- we're introduced to a hot male school teacher that she immediately is googly-eyed for, and I'm sure is a nice guy, before she meets her best friend character. Best friend character is a tool, in that she is also used, uh, in that she also is transferred to the school, um, but just before our main character, so she's just close enough and relatable to our main character to be friends with her, but also has been here longer so she can be used to spout more exposition. She gives a background about the tough regime that is the school, as well as the student council president from earlier called May. Um, her, the fact that she is the chairman's granddaughter and that she's also betrothed to an elite teacher of the school. I wonder which one. They've introduced mm. so many so far. <laughs> Anyways, fast forward and Yuzu spots May making out with that hot teacher from earlier at the back of the school. How unexpected. She's an idiot and actually gets caught because she pokes her head around the corner twice. But this has no consequence for Yuzu anyways, neither from the teacher or May really, so I don't really know why they included this detail, except for an awkward way to end the scene. She gets home, uh, where we meet Yuzu's mother. However, her dad is conveniently going to be abroad for the foreseeable future. At least until the drama gets dull, I reckon. 
But no time for no time for this. Contrivance alert. Mom, who has um, I'm now convinced is the sole reason for the divorce in the first place, now just dumps onto Yuzu some the fact that she now has a new stepsister, who by the most convenient alignment of the cosmos is of course the student council president May. That's right. Despite all the sweet, juicy contrivances used to make the raunchiest Yuri scenario they could think of, we also have to throw in the incest angle here as well. Because why the fuck not? They even worked into the script that her new sister is younger than her, so that makes her an Emoto as well. <laughs> but don't worry, they're not related by blood. I mean, like, seriously, who the fuck cares at this point? It's like if a murderer goes and turns himself in at the police station with all the corpses with him, and then confesses, and then, but he's like, don't worry, I didn't skull fuck the bodies. Anyway, then you who gets sexually assaulted again by me. Her first kiss being stolen from her, which I'm sure no one saw coming. No, I don't, I don't, do I even need to give a context for the scenario? It was at this point that writing this preview, I realised how redundant it was for me being so descriptive so far about the plot. Now, I could focus on the many things from the animation that was actually admittedly pretty good, though we know what's, all, what's in the service of, but you should have a pretty clear idea about what kind of show this is from everything I've said as well as simply googling Google imaging anime citrus. Yeah, it's basically a bait <laughs> Yuri... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's basically bait to, like, lure Yuri fans out here, but that's all it is. I'm pretty sure just from the start, it's never going to go past the surface level understanding about same-sex relationships, and it's definitely stuck in the sexually taboo nature of it. At least the taboo nature of it in Japan. In fact, everything is contrived to deliver that as bluntly as possible, from the fact that, oh, they're in a strict school where all the girls are all really, you know, it's all strict, so they're going to do something really scandalous, like, you know, lesbian relationship. Also, the teacher engagement, and by the way, I already have had my money bet, and I looked ahead, and I was like, I bet that teacher is only with the girl, because he's, he's gonna, it's a Yuri show, right? So he has to be a bad guy. So I bet that male teacher guy is only with her so he can inherit the skill. And I looked ahead just to just, just to check. And yes, it's, it, I was correct. He's just there to, like, you know, be that asshole guy. I wonder how aficionados of this genre will take to this. Because even a newbie like me can tell what's going to happen from a mile away. Though maybe they'd argue that I'm missing the point if I'm complaining about the plot. Will I keep watching? Well, what do you think? I think the name of the show was well picked. Citrus fruits tend to have a sour taste, and although my tolerance for sour flavours is pretty high, sour is the best way to describe the look on my face while watching. <laughs> this ends Fan Appreciation Day. I'd like to thank all the listeners and people who contribute to the site through the comments and discussions, also on the forums. But yeah, that's my thanks to you guys. Thanks or, uh, or not thanks? Well, uh, he, to be fair, he did actually technically... Yeah, I, I said misquote because Yotaru said do not watch this anime. But sometimes <laughs> when they say don't watch this anime... Basically, when I quoted him, I said everything the opposite <clears throat> of oh, what he I actually see. said in his post. Yeah, it's, it's not about hetero relationships involving 100% consexu- consensual mm-hmm. sexual encounters. In fact, most of the sexual encounters I've seen in this show are all forced, as in, like, one person is not okay with it. So... It's just more raunchy stuff. And I guess, like, similar to the whole, like, when I did the harem post on the forums, I said, like, you know, 
I'm not gonna judge you. You can put as many characters together as you want, and it's true. If you wanna, if you wanna watch something like Citrus for the Yuri stuff, uh, it's up to you. I was just analyzing it from as I see it. That's it. But you can enjoy it if you want. <laughs> That's it. <clears throat> well then. Uh-huh. Uh, I will definitely be using some Yuri bait of my own on the front page book. <laughs> Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Because I was I'm like, sure hmm, mm. what am I going to use for images? And I'm looking through everything like, eh, Cardcaptor Soccer is pretty. I got to yeah. the children, but I don't want to repeat the, uh, you know, front page post of another anime I've done. Uh, Coco oh, yeah, yeah. really had nothing. What citrus got? Oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah. As as you go Let's <laughs> use that. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I think he did something similar back when back when I did the, that infamous anime with the pant shot thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, this one isn't terrible. It's not going to be any of the forced relationship. Um, but it will definitely be like, oh, what's going on here? Two girls getting close and maybe getting hot and heavy later. Oh, guys mm-hmm. out there like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I, it's it's one of those things where it's like you know the relationship in it is a, is definitely like a gay relationship that they're going for, and yet I don't think like this is necessarily appealing strictly to gay people, you know, like I feel like this is definitely appealing to a specific sort of fetish <laughs> because it's like let's make it as raunchy as possible. With this scenario. You know, especially with the added sister angle. Well, you see, you know what. There was a doujin I read a while back, oh, yeah? kind of an old one, where it was kind of like this, except it also included a male character in the um, group. Basically, what it was, was the there was like the student council president chick, and yeah. then there was the secretary and the treasurer on her student council also were in love with her. The secretary was, um, I believe it was female, and the... Treasurer was male, and the treasurer had feelings for the girl, and she meets up with the, and she's completely lesbian, like, she's not bisexual at all, but uh, she meets up with the uh, secretary who uh, basically confesses that he is in love with the student council president and would like to uh, have her help or her, basically, her assistance in confessing. She thinks she's going to trick him into basically being rejected. And so that frees right. up her, you know, goal of getting with the student council president. But what happens is the student council president actually accepts his confession. And the girl jumps in between them. And it's like, no, no, I wanted to be the one. Eventually, what the student council president is basically like, oh, let's all gang up. And oh, wow. <laughs> they're both looking at her like, the fuck is this girl going on about? Wait, what did she just say? And, of course, it leads Mm. to a rather raunchy scene with sex and stuff Ah. for the girl and and the guy and and it's all three-way and it's, Mm. you know, it's even the lesbians getting on it and she's like, I don't like dick, but this isn't terrible. (laughs) It's not bad. (laughs) I see. And then the very end of it, it's just just like the student company, like, so uh, we, we do that like three times a week, right? (laughs) <laughs> wow yeah I, yeah I guess this is sort of part of the course with a dojin I guess that's the source so yeah. I, it, it goes to show you when I've read a dojin that's 
kind of similar where I think someone read that dojo and was like, well, what if we got rid of the guy? Hmm. Yeah. And we made mm-hmm. the girl kind of a Yankee. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that's totally. This will work. Yeah. Because, you know, they have to have contrast. That's the thing with relationships, isn't it? Like, they have oh, to yeah. be completely, they like, they really like the opposites attract thing, you know? Exactly. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah. They, they have to have, of course, the kiss, like, unconsensual kiss. That actually happens in a lot of shoujos anyway. Like, not even just this lesbian relationship thing. But then also they have to have that scene where they're like, oh, that person's a jerk. I'd never like this person. And then obviously, you know, you know that's a complete bullshit because it's always going to, it's going to flip around. So, you know. <laughs> it's weird because... The whole point of them hating each other at the start is, support, is supposed to give you that idea that, oh, yeah, they're totally not meant for each other. But then because it's become such a cliche thing to do, you know that when someone says, oh, I hate that person, I'll never end up with them. It's, it always is the opposite. You know, it's, it's so used. Yeah, it was and, in Love uh, Hina. And I think they chose the Gyaru angle because it just seems that that whole Gyaru fashion style in anime seems to be sort of picking up, I guess. Because there was like Hajime no Gal. And there was also like Oshieti Gyalko Chan as well, so like it's, they seem to be picking an, up on this thing a lot lately. It's an on and off thing. There was a lot more of it back in the uh, back in the I'd want to say back in the early two thousands. There was a lot more of the gal fashion in yeah. anime, where it was just yeah. like blatantly gal. Um, D- but yeah. recently, Did they I would go say, for tan, though. yeah, they would go with like yeah. the tanner look to it. But recently, I would yeah. say like. The gal fashion in anime has become lighter, where it's just like, oh, she's got blonde hair and her hairstyle's a little bit, you know, this, and she's got long, pretty nails. Oh, she's a gal. But it's like, no, that's not a gal. Do you know what a yeah. gal looks like? Look up mm-hmm, gal mm-hmm. and tell me what a gal looks like. A gal has a tan skin. She's got the makeup that's heavily overdone. She's got like yeah. the hairstyle that's dyed and punk, all sorts of colors. She's got nails that look like they could slice bread. That is a gal. So, yeah. like, th- all this girl is, she's a delinquent. That's all it is. She's yeah. got, like, the... Yeah, she's pretty she's much just, is. Yeah, it's to, it's yeah, to cover that's up. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, to, it's to give you that impression because it's, like, you know, they also like that idea of, like, you can add depth to a character by having, like, oh, they're one way... Well, they, they, you, you'll, you'll assume a lot of things from a delinquent character, like, the way they'll act, the way they'll talk, you know, from just that. And there's a lot of things you'll expect if you call a character, like, Gyaru-ish or, like, you know, the outgoing popular girl type character. There's a lot of assumptions you could make about the way she'll probably talk, you know, the way she'll act to authority figures. But then, you know, when they immediately do the opposite, and it's like, oh, but it turns out she's never had a boyfriend, it immediately makes you think, oh, there's that there's that thing about don't judge about appearances, and they're, like, you know, it makes them seem so much more three-dimensional, but it's, I don't know, they're running the risk of getting kind of lazy here, where it's like, oh... The character's one way, but guess what? They're not. You know, but if you do it too much, it's... That's like a baseline dojin. That's just like, oh, she looks like the Yankee girl. And then, like, the teacher walks in and she's, like, looking at a porno mag all embarrassed. And it's like, oh, my God, she's a virgin. What a surprising yeah. shock. And it's like, yeah, but mm-hmm. that's been done at, like, 5,000 other dojins that's already been out. Congratulations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You really hit a gold mine there. <laughs> yeah. Must have taken you months to come up with that scenario. Yeah. Anyways, uh yeah, I believe anyway. that does it for our hybrid show. Uh, I mm. believe that also does it for our episode of Anime Pulse. Thank everyone for listening, for 
enjoying this episode or not enjoying it and thinking, uh, you know, maybe Red, or Red, I'm calling myself Red, maybe Joseph yeah, shouldn't yeah. hit the bottle so hard because, god damn, 80% out, 80 per, 40% alcohol. alcohol? Oh, Jesus. 40% alcohol, 80 proof? Maybe it's a little too much because I'm still feeling it, man. Oh, oh nice! Oh, that is some strong ass stuff. I gotta, I gotta get a smaller nice. glass, cause that was, that was a little. That's <laughs> ah, it's fine. Yeah, it, it helps. Yeah. It builds character. Yeah, it improves. It's, it's an enhancer. Put some hair. Does every chest. alcoholic out there? Yeah. Oh. Well, uh, thanks everyone for sticking around, and until next time, keep watching, keep listening. And keep the anime love strong.